Pastor started this many, many years ago, but let's all say it. You all know it. Well, no, I'm going to lead you. We have a lot of visitors, so I'm going to lead you. Are you ready? The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. So tell those people next to you as you're seated, it's just that simple. Now, your pastor, Pastor Pam down in Indianapolis, and your pastor, me, we are healed in Jesus' name. Now, I know that I probably <clears throat> sound a little different, so for you visitors, this is not my normal voice, but we are glad that you're with us. We really, truly are. I love to laugh, and I love humor, and I hope you do too, and if you don't, you need to loosen up, okay? So, <clears throat> so here's a couple. Now, they went over really well in the first service. I wasn't sure, and uh, sometimes I bounce them off Pam, and Pam and I don't have the same sense of humor, so some, I just stop bouncing things off of her. But, but, but I really love this one. A confirmation student was asked to list the Ten Commandments in any order. He said, I can do that, and he wrote down three, six, one, eight, nine, ten, seven. <laughs> I always thought that one would go over bigger, but it didn't in the first service either. A woman went to the post office to buy stamps for her Christmas cards. What denomination, asked the clerk. Oh, for heaven's sakes, does it come to this in the world? Give me 50 Catholic stamps, 50 Baptist stamps, and... Okay, that one didn't go over at all. Now, the, at, least, at least in the first service, it really did. Okay. Some people say I go to church, so I'm a Christian. But that's kind of like saying I go to McDonald's, I'm a quarter pounder. Now, this was the favorite one of the first servers, at least by their laughter, okay? Abraham, <clears throat> I think it's funny. Abraham brought himself a fancy new computer. He was showing it to Isaac one day. Look at the wonderful programs it has on it, and look at all the neat things that it can do. Isaac was impressed, but a little concerned. So he said to Abraham, Dad, I don't think your computer has enough memory. Abraham looked at his son and said, Don't worry, son. The Lord will supply the ram. <laughs> if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> and the, the word of the Lord today is, as God was dropping this message in my heart this week, uh, I didn't have a title for it. And uh, right up until yesterday, Pam said, what's, what's the title for the message? And I said, well... I don't really have it yet, but I know the Lord's going to drop it in my spirit. And so the title that finally came to me in my spirit was, Why Am I Like I Am? And when I first heard that, I kind of chuckled because I think all of us have probably wondered sometimes, you know, why am I like I am? Uh, we know who we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our life. And we're supposed to be blessed coming and going. But if all of you are like me, sometimes I wonder, why am I like that? That is really not me. Can I see the hands of all the people who can relate to what I just said? That is not me. Why am I like that? Well, <clears throat> you are a creature of all of your experiences in life. And what we're going to be talking about today, and you turn to the book of Romans chapter 8, where we're going to be reading in verse number 1 there. Your mind is the most sophisticated computer that has ever been invented. God birthed you with a mind that is a mind that is capable of opening itself up to the power of God and for all of the blessings of God to flow through are to absolutely withstand the will of God. 
if God could do everything he wanted to do through you without the cooperation of your mind, he would have already done it. But it hasn't been done because your mind has to be in unity and in agreement with God. Now, you are, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are here today as a three-part being. Your spirit man is alive. Your mind is still between your two ears. And your flesh is alive. Your flesh is no good. We've shared that, or I have shared that for a long time. So let's all say, my flesh is no good. Tell your neighbor, your flesh is no good, and neither is mine. It'll get you in trouble. It'll do bad things. It will cause you to want to do what you used to do. How many of you know that's true? It'll cause you to, you know, like, like some people say that I had a person ask me this one time because we're talking about drugs. And I told them that, you know, I've never had an urge to do drugs or anything like that. And I said, you mean you've never had an urge to do anything like that? I said, I never said anything like that. I said drugs. Well, the reason I've never had a, use, a, a desire to do drugs is because I've never done drugs. You all understand what I'm saying? Now, if you want to talk about Coors beer, that's a whole different situation. I can relate to a desire to drink Coors beer even after I'm saved. And you've all heard that story. I don't need to go there. But what happens is, why do some people seem to move on with the things of God? And some people seem to lock up, make a few strides forward, and then fall down and try to get back up again. And then some people just go by the wayside. And they don't even move on with the things of God. I'm telling you, the reason is not the devil. The devil is not your problem. I'm about to tell you who your problem is all of you visitors this is just for you alone i just want you to say i really like this guy <laughs> none of them said it that's all right i'm going to tell you who your biggest problem is you all ready how many of you would like to know who your biggest problem is three, three of you and somebody said we already know <laughs> you are your biggest problem and you will always be your biggest problem The devil has been defeated. Powers and principalities have been defeated. And you have been given the mind of Christ. And so it's our job to line up with what God says so that we can be everything that God wants us to be. Now, you may be here and you may think, well, you don't know what I've gone through. No, I don't. And your mind has recorded everything that you've gone through. In your mind, there's a a song that Years and years ago, many artists have recorded it. I, I know Elvis had it because I've got the CD, but it's called Memories. And, uh, and, and I love this song. It's a beautiful song, but Memories. And it says that, that, that memories press between the pages of my mind. You have all of your memories pressed between the pages of your mind. You could label it something like this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I prefer to just pull up the good stuff. Because in all of our lives, we could say, I got some good, I got some bad, and I got some real ugly. And if you go back and you visit the wrong thing and you pull it up, it's going to pull you away from from the things of God. Because the Word of God says that we are righteous by the blood. So that's the way our mind should always see us, opening and yielding to the will of God in our life. But if we don't, then we will yield to something contrary to the will of God. And whether we know it consciously or not, we put ourselves in opposition to God. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, I want to read this uh, a few lines to you because, excuse me, I am healed in Jesus' name. 
<clears throat> can't tell whether this voice sounds scratchy, bad, or sexy. <laughs> I, asked, I asked my wife that. <laughs> and she said, I'm not sure. I said, honey, that was the wrong answer. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, if you look at that scripture, it's basically saying, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's no condemnation. If you walk in the realm of the Spirit and not in the realm of the flesh. Because in the realm of the flesh, you will experience condemnation. So if you, now this is just a little quiz, what I said earlier, Who's your biggest problem? You. If you feel condemnation in your life and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who's got the problem? These are not trick questions. That's what I say. I have the problem. If you feel condemnation, you have the problem. Because what you've done is gotten out of focusing in the spirit and you start focusing on the flesh. You pulled something up in your mind that was from the past. Well, I used to do this or I used to do that. Or you did something in the present that you shouldn't have done. And instead of repenting of it and going to God, you ran away from God and you separated yourself from the very power that would set you free in that area of your life. And then it goes on to say in verse number two, for the, these are cherry things. They turn your lips red. So if my lips start turning red, there's no fever involved, Okay. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the all Pam had. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law, this is a great time to shout here in just a few moments. For what the law could do, could not do in that it was weak through flesh. God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Can you say amen to that? You have been totally set free so that you can be everything that God wants you to be, and God will never, ever see you condemned, inferior again in your life unless you allow your mind to go there. But now, this is the beauty. In verse number 5, this is the key for you. Tell your neighbor, this is the key for you. Last night when I went to bed, I had to take my alarm clock or opportunity clock, whatever your confession, and I had to set that. I'm the kind of guy that I can sleep 8 to 10 hours just like that without a, a clock to wake me up. And I don't, I don't have any problem with that whatsoever because when I wake up, I am rested. But if I'm going to wake up at a certain time, I've got to set that clock. How many of you are like that? Now, Pam will wake up almost every morning at 630. I don't know if she's got that internal clock or something. I don't have that. But in verse number five, this is what it says. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit. Now, this doesn't say this in your Bible, but this is what it means. But those who set their mind, those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the spirit. Who sets your mind? That's a little weak. Who sets your mind? You set your mind in every situation and circumstance that happens to you all day long. 
And your mindset will determine your response. And the reason why some people have a real challenge in their lives is because they have not developed the self-discipline and the self-control which they have to respond spiritually in every situation. There's a fault line that runs through many areas of the country. And by the way, I shared this in the first service. Several years ago, there was a, 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 a trimmer in Tennessee or somewhere. At the time, I, just, I, I really felt it was the Lord, but I just felt quickened to call, <clears throat> to call and find out if I had earthquake insurance on my home. And they said, no, no, we don't, you know, we don't do much of that. Uh, hardly anybody ever wants it. I said, well, how expensive is it? It's just really cheap. And so I got earthquake insurance. And, uh, and I got to thinking about that. Everybody ought to have earthquake insurance. You never know what is going to be faced in any area of the world. And you wouldn't want to find out that something happened seismographically around this area and you didn't have insurance. So I'd encourage all of you to get it. That's just a little side note. But, but what happens is that the Lord gave me this example, and I was sharing it with Pam. We're going to share it more in depth with our staff. But in the world, you have a fault system where these earthquakes occur. And there's a fault system near Chile. This particular one was out in the ocean. But that fault system, when it changes in its – and I don't know all about this. I'm not an expert. But when it changes, that, that causes that earthquake. And that when, when God created the earth, he created the earth perfect. We know the earth has taken a lot of hits since it was created. Everything God did was perfect. But now there are faults that are hidden under the earth. And that in a moment's notice, if a fault, if that area moves, then that earthquake is triggered. And what the Lord had shown me was that there are a lot of believers that are like that. They've got a fault system. Now, we know that your, your flesh is totally faulty. So forget about your flesh. Tell your neighbor again, your flesh is no good. Don't be working on your flesh. I'm not, I'm not talking about staying in shape. I'm just saying your flesh is no good. But your mind controls everything that you do based on yielding to the Holy Spirit. And that a lot of people have some faults running through their minds. Don't they, Marie? Hallelujah. And, and that at a moment's notice, now I'll tell you whether or not you have a fault up there. At a moment's notice, something is precipitated that causes you to be anything but like Jesus. As a matter of fact, you hope nobody finds out how you just responded because your response was totally based on the flesh instead of the spirit. Now, are you ready to find out where the rubber meets the road? Who is responsible for your response in every situation? Wouldn't you like for it to be God? Put the whole blame on him. Say, I'm a mess because of you. No, 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 no. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, and your response is up to you. You can have a spiritual mindset, or you can have a fleshly mindset. Now, those people that have that fleshly mindset will always blame things on other people, our circumstances, our situations. But who is responsible for setting your mind? You're a little slow on the draw because I want you to go out of here realizing that your entire life can be changed. How many of you have a mind that you hope? How many of you have a mind that you hope and pray can be better than it currently is? 
Okay, so therefore, I, I pray that this will get deep inside of you and become a revelation to you that you realize that the most important thing in your life, other than your relationship with Jesus Christ, is for you to get a spiritual mindset so that every decision you make is based on the Spirit of God and not based on what you see or feel that has come your way. Can you say amen to that? Now, I want to give you an example in the book of Joshua, and for time's sake, I'm going to kind of speed through it. But if you have your Bible, you can go to Joshua chapter 1, because it's one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire body, in the entire Bible, talking about what you and I need to do to make our way prosperous and successful. And I believe every single one of us has that goal. We want to be everything that God wants us to be, but we want to be prosperous and we want to be successful. And Joshua has been promoted. I have studied Joshua for about 20 years. I don't know why God has me there. Apparently, he wants me to learn something. But I've always been fascinated by Joshua. He's one of the few leaders that God had that never, ever fell and stayed down. He failed once, and we're going to talk about that. But Joshua understand the precepts of God and how important it was to be what God wanted him to be. And, and in Joshua 1, 8, and 9, and I know if you've been around this church for a while, you heard this scripture a lot. But God gives Joshua the key. And he said, God speaking to Joshua said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you say amen to that? Let's say it. He's with me too. So Joshua gets all of the fighting men and everybody prepared to do what God called them to do. And they go in to the promised land. And they're ready to take the promised land. And the first encounter is going to be Jericho. And Joshua is ready to go into Jericho. His fighting men are armed. They're experienced. They're tough. They're warriors. They're ready to go. And God speaks to Joshua. Joshua opens himself up to the Spirit of God and, and basically says, how should we fight this battle? And God gives him the exact battle plan, exactly what to do, how to march around the city, what to do, what not to do. And Joshua follows it to the letter of the law, just what God told him to do. And the walls fell down, and everything that God said would be accomplished was accomplished. And they were all so excited. But God had told them that. So then they're experiencing this tremendous victory. How many of you have found that some of your most tremendous victories that come and give you the greatest joy only to follow another hurdle or another situation? See, you've got to be prepared for this. And what happens to a lot of people, they vacillate. They come through a victory and they feel so good. And the victory came as a result of being totally of a mindset of the spirit, unifying yourself with God and the spirit of God inside you through your spirit, man. And you did exactly what God said. And then you're ready for the next adventure. And the next adventure, many times we take on ourselves Because God said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you think for yourself. Ask your neighbor, are you thinking for yourself? And if they said yes, tell them you've just found out your problem. Don't think for yourself. Find out what God thinks, and then that's what you begin to think. Because a lot of times we'll appropriate things that we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and God's not in it because that's not what God by his Spirit has spoken to us. And here's Joshua, and it's, it's in the second battle that he's going to fight, and it's the battle of Ai, and it's in Joshua chapter 7. And Joshua, I do want to read this scripture to you in verse number 3. 
Joshua sent out spies, just like they did in the first time. Joshua sent out spies, and the spies came back, and this is what the spies said. They returned to Joshua, and they said to him, Do not let the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't worry all the people, for the people are very few in the town of Ai. So Joshua listens to the people. He hasn't heard from God. He doesn't know God's plan, but he knows God said, I'm giving you the land. So he just decided to do it his way. Can I see the hands of all the people that you have from time to time done it your way and found out that was the wrong way? So what we do is begin to learn, okay, where was that still small inner voice? You would have thought, I'm not standing as a judge of Joshua because Joshua repented and got, and got it right with God. But Joshua, you would have thought that he would have gone back to God and said, God, what is your plan for the battle of Ai? But we know there was sin in the camp. We knew Achan had sinned during the battle of Joshua, during the battle of Jericho, and that there was problems that God had not uncovered God had uncovered them, but they had not been revealed to Joshua because Joshua hadn't talked to God and Joshua hadn't received God's plan. I am amazed at how many people do not seek God's plan. But they try, and John Osteen, who's in heaven right now, uh, pastors the church that his son, Joel Osteen, pastors now down in, in, in Texas. But John Osteen said this one time. He was praying and praying and praying and just, just interceding and asking God to bless his plan. And God, please bless this plan. Please bless this plan. And he said the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, John, why don't you spend less time crying out to me, and why don't you ask me what my plan is? It's already blessed. Let's all say, God's plan is already blessed. The most important thing in our life should not be trying to convince God to bless our plan. The most important thing in our life should try to be, God, what is your plan so that I can implement your plan? And when if you will get a revelation of this, it will change your life. Every situation and circumstance that you will confront, you will say, okay, God, how do I handle this? What do I do? What is your plan? How do you want me to respond? And God will make you that peculiar people the, doc, the uh, Bible talks about because I'm telling you, you will go cross grain with people joshua should have gone against the people when the people said don't send anybody else up that's a weak city we can take it no no joshua should have said we're not doing anything unless we know what god said but they failed miserably and joshua was was crying out to god and said god why have you let this happen and god spoke to joshua and said get up now i'm paraphrasing so everybody say the pastor's paraphrasing Basically, God said, Joshua, get up. What's wrong with you? You got sin in the camp. You didn't know my plan. You didn't ask me for my plan. And now you're crying out to me. Get rid of the sin. Find out what my plan is. And we're going to do better the next time. And Joshua repented, took care of the sin, took care of Achan and his family. And in in Joshua chapter 8. Now, folks, the reason why this is so important, this is where you and I live our life. We come through one victory, we turn around, and we get back in control. And we got our mind fixed on the things of the flesh. You know, when I first got saved, my dominant desire, I, I'm sorry to say this, I've already repented of God, that was years and years ago. But my dominant desire was not to serve God. I didn't know anything about that. My dominant desire was to have a, a Lincoln Continental. Because I saw where it said in John 15, or 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's the first scripture I grabbed. Nothing led by the Holy Spirit. I grabbed John 14, 14. I like that scripture. I still like that scripture. But back then, 
I didn't have a revelation. John 14, 14, glory to God, I'm glad I found you. Lord, I want a Lincoln Continental. I had $30,000 worth of debt. I want this debt taken care of. I gave God a laundry list a mile long of what I expected him to do for me. Now, none of it came to pass the way I thought it would. It eventually, well, the Lincoln Continental never came to pass. But that's okay. I don't even have a desire for that. It moved into the Mercedes category. But, but, if, but it's not important what you want. What's important is what does God want for you? Does that make sense? That's what I say. It's not important what I want. What's important is what God wants for me. You, do you all agree with that? So therefore, we're all creatures of habit. Our first response would be, what is the will of God by His Spirit? Now, in the battle of Ai, God spoke to, uh, God spoke to Joshua because Joshua went to God and said, what is your plan? And God gave Joshua the plan, and they went up, and they defeated, and they took over that territory. Why? Because Joshua was in line with the will of God. You line up with the will of God. The will of God is sovereign. It will always be done. But your mind, everybody say my mind, will be the ultimate controlling factor. Because what you think will determine whether you go on with the things of God and have a renewed mind or whether you revisit the past and pull up those things. You see, your carnal nature is still in your mind. Thank you for that total silence. But I I realize that was nothing to cheer about. But let's just say, my carnal nature is still in my mind. If you visit it and if you let it take control... Proverbs 23, 7 works, good or bad. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You think you're righteous, you're righteous. You think you're condemned, you're condemned. You think you've been set free from sin, you've been set free. You think you're a no good, dirty sinner, you are no good, dirty sinner, because in your mind, you will live that out. Can you all say amen to that? You never will separate yourself from your mind. You will always be. The destiny of your mind and your thoughts will always determine where you go. And that's why it's so important to get set free in that area of your life. Now, if you turn over the book of John chapter 16, it's a, it's a scripture that tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to constantly lead us and to guide us and to show us all things. And that if you develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, how many of you, let me see the hands, you know what I'm talking about. A relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was getting ready to leave the house today, uh, uh, <clears throat> just, just, I wasn't even thinking about the bathroom. But as I was getting ready to, li- to leave the house today, uh, this thought went through my mind. The curling iron. Now, as you can probably tell, I don't use a curling iron. <laughs> I, I have a little grandson, Jack, that I dearly love. He's, he's just so precious, and he hangs out with us a lot. And we thought the kids were done having babies, but they keep having them. But then it's like, these are fun. I hope they just keep going doing it. But... But Jack has got this fascination with my head. Uh, how old is Jack? I, I don't you know. Eight, maybe? Seven? Every time, Jack and I would just be sitting there talking, and, and he's real close to me. I mean, he's really close. And he'd just be sitting there, and he'd say, you're bald. And uh, I'll say, yeah, I am. He says, you, you don't have any hair. And, and I said, that's true, Jack. I don't. And he loves to run his hands, whatever, up there. And... and We'll be, the other day we were out at Burger King, we're just sitting there eating, having breakfast, just he and I, and we're talking about something that was kind of deep, and I'm thinking, this kid's really intelligent, and uh, and all of a sudden he stops, and he looks at me, now I know the look, and he stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, 
you're bald. And it's, it's just like this fixation he has. Like, I, I want to say, Jack, I can't do anything about it. I look like my grandfather on my mother's side and my two uncles. And on my dad's side, my dad was still getting his hair thin when he went on to be with the Lord. It's like, oh, all, a waste of all that hair. But it's like I was trying to convince Jack that I couldn't do anything about it. And, and, but it was still fascinating to him. Do you know there are things in your life uh, a lot more important than that? But, but there are things in your life you can't do anything about. They happen. Life happens. And there's something in the world today that I believe is of the flesh and, and, and is of the world trying to justify you are like you are because of, and it's okay. And... If you just do this and this, you'll be okay, but you'll never be able to get beyond that. I think that's a bunch of crap. Excuse me. That's not a real good word to use. But I don't believe that's true. I believe you are who you are and what you are based on your thought life. And if you think that you're set free, you are free. If you go back, you know, there's an old country western song. In the corner of my mind is a jukebox. You ever hear that song? It's a real country western song. There are some songs and there are some places in your mind you shouldn't go. Tell your neighbor, there are places in your mind you shouldn't go. And that's the area the devil would love to tempt you in, just to kind of woo you in here. Come on. I remember the number one song on the country western hit parade when I was in high school. I'll never forget this because especially when I got saved, I remember. I'll pick you up on my way down. <laughs> you talk about a horrible song. I will pick you up on my way down. It was number one on the country song. We've got to get to the point when we realize God left you in charge. God left you in charge. And you have the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in John 16, 13, it says, However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. In other words, God, by his spirit, wants to show you everything for you. Not your neighbor, not your kids. Not Well, he'll tell you about your kids, but what is for you. And he will show you how to live your life and how to make your decisions. When Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he was talking about living a life in the spirit. You will know, Somebody said one time, oh, I just get so weary serving God. This was out in Oklahoma. And, and I told him, I said, that's not true. You'll never get weary serving God. You'll never. You maybe get weary with stress. You'll never get weary serving God. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll, you, will, you may sleep a lot. <laughs> you may go to bed and sleep sound, but you won't get weary serving God. Never will you get weary serving God. Jesus said, come to me, you are weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls, that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When you're living by the Holy Spirit, that's what we've got to do. Now, in First Peter, and we were in First Peter not too long ago, because we're talking, Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter, because we're talking about living a life in the realm of the Spirit where all of the promises of God are. It says, this is, this is Paul talking to Peter, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul talking to Timothy. And he said, therefore, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Let's not say, I have a sound mind. Who controls what you think? Say that like you mean it. Who controls what you think? And you can think anything you want. You can think the Word of God, the power of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Word of God says that you have. So let's all say it. I have this. 
Oh, they have it up there. The word denotes, this is what a sound mind means. The word denotes good judgment, discipline, thought patterns, and the ability to understand and make right decisions. It includes the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. How many of you that is contrary to what you sometimes think you have? Can I see your hands? But that is what you have. You have good judgment, discipline, thought patterns, the ability to understand and make right decisions, the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. You've all heard the story one time about the outreach that we were doing. The guy came by and the truck was smoking a cigarette and tried to throw it out when he saw me. He was part of our church and hit the window and he almost burned himself and finally got rid of it. And then when he saw me, he said, oh, Pastor, I'm so sorry I was smoking. I, don't, I, I know I shouldn't be smoking. I said, I don't care if you smoke. He said, you don't? I said, no, I don't care if you smoke. He, he said, you don't? I said, no. But has God spoken to you in that area of your life? Yeah. What did God tell you? God told me that I shouldn't smoke then you got a problem. Your problem is with God. I'm not your problem. But if God tells you something, he knows why he told you. And that's why a lot of churches, when I remember this church one time that, you know, you couldn't join the church if you smoked, drank, chewed, dated girls with do or so. You know, in other words, in other words, they had their rules and regulations. Well, I don't believe that's godly. If a church wants to do that, that's fine. But I believe the church, the church is for the sinners. And if we had rules and regulations for all of you to be part of this church, you probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> and maybe I wouldn't be on some days either. Matter of fact, this one church had a policy that you couldn't sing in the choir if you smoked. But if uh, the choir was going in the, in the, in the uh, summer for summer vacation, you could. But when the choir came back, you couldn't if you still smoked. I never did figure that one out. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Galatians chapter 5. Once you turn over there, let's all say, I have a sound mind. Now, I'll tell you, if you start to live this message, people will begin to look at you funny. They'll come to you for advice. They'll like what you say, and they'll also get upset with you because you're going to tell them the truth of the Word of God. You're going to tell them in love. You're not going to be harsh with them, but you're going to tell them, this is what I feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do. And I hear that a lot from people. And sometimes I even hear people say, you're not very compassionate anymore like you used to be. You know, I think I am. But I think I've reached the point in life now that I know how dangerous it is to be in the flesh. I know how horrible it is. I know what's happened to me when I've strayed from time to time myself. And we've all strayed. So, you know, we're all together on this. But when you, when you understand to get in the realm of the Spirit and stay there and get your mind fixed like a flint on the things of the Spirit, it'll change your life. Verse 22, this is what you have with your mind. With the fruit of the Holy Spirit, how many of you got the Holy Spirit know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can I see your hands? That means this applies to you. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So let's all say, I have self-control. Tell your neighbor, you have self-control. Now look at verse 24 and 25 because this is so important. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Who is in charge of crucifying your flesh? Say it again. Say it again. You are in charge of crucifying the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also... Walk in the realm of the Spirit. <clears throat> now, 
I want to share four things with you real quickly as we close here. If you do this, I guarantee you it'll change your life forever. Number one, refuse any thought that is contrary to the Holy Spirit. That means you're going to be busy a lot of the time saying, I refuse to think that thought. You've heard me share this before when we've talked on the mind, but uh, the average person, if, if, you, if you are a mesmerized person and let your mind think for you, you think about twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 thoughts a day. If you make yourself think, you think less. In other words, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I'm going to meditate that all morning long. And the only thing I'm going to meditate contrary to that is a decision I have to make and what the Holy Spirit shows me. And that anything that is contrary to that, I'm not going to meditate. This happened to me just recently. I was meditating some things about uh, what God had shown me and what the owner of the property had told me and what some other people in authority had told me. And they were really, really great things. And I was just so excited. How many of you know what it means to be pumped up spiritually? In other words, man, I am pumped. I am glory to God. God is so good. I was just so excited. And then I talked to somebody, and they introduced an extreme negative. And it just shook me. And I was like, oh, gosh. And I started thinking about what they said. And the longer I thought about what they said, the more I got a little bit discouraged. Now, I didn't realize it, but I was getting discouraged in that area of my life. This is where a lot of people, where the rubber meets the road for you and your mind. Because a thought comes to you from somebody or a situation, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking that thing. And, and I'm out praying one morning, and I'm thinking, oh, God. And I'm crying out to God about this thing. And this is what I heard, like uh, uh, almost a rebuke with an exclamation mark. What did I say? It kind of shook me. And then I said, God, is that really you? What did I say? And then I remembered, and, and I thought he was sharing about what he told me about a certain aspect of that property. And I looked back here, and there it was. And I was like, ah, that's it. Why are you dwelling upon and meditating what that person said? Why are you not saying what I said? Whoa. That was good, God, as if he needs my approval, that it's good. But that was good. It's like, wow, I really needed to hear that. Because what happens is we, we, we come through that victory, and then we start taking it on our own. The other day, my wife and I were talking, and, and, and we both kind of agreed that, well, wouldn't it be great to be in that building by Easter? Oh, yeah, well, let's get it for Easter. And we started talking about being in that building by Easter. And I don't know how many of you know this, but Easter is five weeks away. And, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'm out praying behind uh, this place I'm praying at, and, and, and all of a sudden, in my spirit, I just keep getting this check. And then I hear this voice, internal voice. Who told you Easter? I think, is that, is that the Lord or is that... The devil, I couldn't tell for sure, but I'm getting, how many of you are getting pretty good at recognizing the devil? Uh, you know, every once in a while you got to make sure it's God, but the, the devil is pretty recognizable. And, and it's like, I don't think that's the devil. And, and then again, I heard, who told you Easter? I thought, Lord, is that you? I said, yeah, I didn't tell you Easter. Don't, this is what I heard, don't leave the fight until you have received the victory. We're fighting the fight of faith to get in that land. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to get focused on a date to be in the land. And I felt like God was rebuking me and saying, get your focus right back where it belongs, on getting the land. I'll take care of the date. So then it was like, oh, glory to God. I can live with that. God can take care of that. Meditate only what the Holy Spirit shows you. 
In other words, it is a self-controlled life that we're called to live. Do you have self-control? Oh, that was weak. That was really pathetic. Do you have self-control? Do you have self-control? Because you're not going to be here with all the choir and everybody next week. You're going to be out there in the highways and byways of life. Do you have self-control? See yourself as God sees you, and that's all you see. See yourself as God sees you. Do you know God sees you like he sees Jesus? He sees you through the blood. You are righteous. He loves you. He has great compassion on you. He wants you to accomplish everything that he has set before you. And then see others. This is one of the hardest things for believers. See others the way God sees them. He sees them the way he sees you, full of love and compassion. But what what if they do bad things to me? They will. Love them. Have compassion. Have grace. And your life will be beautiful. Jesus, when he said it, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Every negative thing that ever happened in your life, God will turn it around and use it for good if you'll allow him. Let's stand to our feet. God's got a great, great plan for each and every one of your lives. And he wants you to be free. He set you free through the blood of Jesus. But to walk in that freedom, you have to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. But the most important thing before you can even do that, you have to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I believe that the time is short. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but one thing I know for sure, we're closer today than we were yesterday. And we're going to be closer tomorrow than the other days. But if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, you've got to do that. You've got to make that decision. You may be here today and you're like that prodigal son. You know that your life is not right. You know that you've walked away from the things of God. Now's the time to make it right. Would you bow your heads with me? All over this church, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I really don't have that assurance that if I died today, I'd go to be with Jesus, but I, I want it. I'm, I'm like that person you just described. I know that I've walked away from the things of God. Let this be your day to come home to God.